glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, brought to you guys by the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network that we are glad and proud to be a part of. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter, and definitely check out their website, FullTimeFantasy.com. It's not only our pod, but a bunch of pods. They've been bringing in a great group of fantasy football advice that you can a smorgasbord of fantasy football people out there. They've brought in here. It's a great site, up and running. Check them out, our pod on there, along with a bunch of others. And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us today. What's going on, Dennis? Man, it's already autumn here in Ohio. It's rainy, it's cloudy, it's cold. I can't believe it. We had we went right for, we had one day of spring, one day of winter. I think the leaves are going to start falling. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh it, it's been really interesting for me and I I hate uh, I hate jumping in and talking about weather, but I mean it's been extremely nice here in Texas, which is surprising for it being summertime. But uh we've got a couple things we want to talk about on here today before we jump into we're going to do a little game here we've got two dynasty nerds writers coming on with us maybe we know for sure one the other guy is in transit so he may join us mid-game here but we will definitely have a little bit of fun here with this game we wanted to talk about the listener league so in 2019 10 random people came together to form the Knights of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. They challenged the host of this program in deep fantasy battle. In hopes of dethroning one of these hosts and proving that they themselves are the best in all fantasy The fight will rage on through the entire 2019 season. Will one of these 10 owners be able to dethrone the host? Or will the host end up ruling the day once again? Last week, on last Monday, we put out a pod talking about uh, some IDP stuff. Dennis was uh, invited on to the IDP Tipsters uh podcast and they had awesome job there awesome podcast they hooked us up with two free yearly subscriptions to their website $25 value which is pretty damn good if you ask me especially for for people who like IDP leagues we had a about six submissions which is a little disappointing but we do appreciate the six people that uh that did it um we are going to announce the winners here so you guys are both getting into the listener league and you both are getting free subscriptions to IDP tipster so the before we announce the winners, though, we want to talk about they uh, they've got a little subscriber promo contest going on right now for IDP fans. Uh, it's a drawing for an insider membership. It will happen from May 26th, which is already obviously passed, through May 
or May, my goodness, Matt, through July. My goodness, I can't read, guys. June 29th, so you guys got about a couple more weeks uh, to do this. The cost of the entry is $5. Winners will be announced live on the IDP podcast on June 30th. 10% of every entry, or every, guys, I just want you to know, stay in school. Stay in school, because this is this is ridiculous. I am struggling to read a very easy print here. of entry participants win and will automatically be enrolled into the IDP Tipster Insider Membership. Non-winners then are entered draw enter drawing app option to pay for an additional $5 after drawing to receive IDP Insider Membership. The original cost of the Insider Membership is $25 a season. I apologize immensely for butchering that. English is not my first language. So... With that being said, let's announce the two winners now as both of our guests are ready to go. So, Winter, Winter, guys, I'm going home. This is it. I've given up. We're going home. I can't read or talk today. At Jack G. Will for dropping the awesome Miles Garrett uh, gift there for us. A huge fan of Miles Garrett. So, you you won me over right there, but uh, we we do appreciate him sending that in. Uh, And second is at Blake underscore Barfield with a Cam Hayward. IDP drop there. So we appreciate both you guys. Uh, we will get you into the Listener League here chat in a couple days to give you guys a chance to listen to this first so you guys hear that you got in through the through the podcast and we will get you guys on there. And uh, I'll have Dennis, since he was the one who got hooked up with the IDP tipster stuff, hit you guys up on Twitter on how to handle your guys' free subscription for a year to the IDP tipsters. And we, uh, again, really appreciate you guys for listening and, um, and, and dropping those gifts. There's still one spot open for rates and reviews you guys drop a rate drop a review and one of you will be selected at random um once we get up to 30 is what dennis wanted so that's what we're going to go for if that doesn't happen by the time we're ready to do our draft uh we may just pick someone who's already done it uh before that or we may just pick a random person off twitter we haven't decided yet but uh definitely if you guys can get it up to 30 we'll pick one maybe pick two we've got a we've got about four more entries we need to give away and we're trying to fill that up so we can start working on getting the draft and rules all done and as I mentioned in the intro, we've got two fellow Dynasty Nerd writers joining us today, Mr. Brandon Bangley, who or actually both we've already had on the podcast as well, and Kyle Matthew. What is going on, guys? How you doing? What's going on, man? Glad to be back in. Oh, how's it going? Glad to be back for you know second time ever podcasting and second time on this pod. So thank you guys for having me back on. Nobody else will have you, huh? <laughs> nope, just you. You guys are the only ones that'll take me. Uh. I uh, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I talked about this last week. Uh, we were bringing you guys on here to play a little bit of a game. Um, so it's a little bit of what I like to call new faces and new places versus the old faces and old and old places. Uh, it's a little game where we're going to discuss players that have left the team and the players stepping into that role. Who will have the better season? You know, like uh, when you broke up with your ex and you're walking down the street and you see your new boo and you're like, oh man, but did I did I make the right decision here? You know, she's she's lost a little bit of weight. She's looking kind of better now. She's maybe a little bit of a boob enhancement. Like things are looking pretty good over there. Did I make the right decision? That's what we're going to find out today. Did these GMs make the right decision in letting these players go and allowing these new players or younger players to step up in their spot? There's, of course, like one battle in here that isn't really, but it's just because I want to get a couple of opinions because I know we're going to disagree, especially Brandon and Kyle on one of them, which I am excited Ooh, about. I, 
I saw that one. I'm looking forward to it. I yeah. put a lone star by that one. Yeah, I, I think too, it's going to be a lot of fun. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with the quarterbacks, the most important position on the field. Hey, he got here fast. I got a surprise for you. Peter, as you know, I love you. Are you breaking up with me? Pete, are you, um... <laughs> Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Obviously, Nick Foles led the Eagles to a Super Bowl a couple years ago and has played fairly well, especially in the playoffs. And Carson Wentz's absence, who obviously has dealt with a number of different injury issues. But again, before he got injured, when he blew out his knee against, I forgot, the Rams. Uh, when he blew out his knee against the Rams, he was, in my opinion, the non discuss There's no way it was not going to go to him. He was the MVP of the league back then. That, that knee injury kind of cost him, and Tom Brady ended up getting that, but it was definitely going to Carson Wentz. Who do you think going into 2019 is going to have the better season, Carson Wentz or Nick Foles? Right now, all these ADPs are brought to you by the FFWC, who is running best ball drafts and dynasty drafts all year long. Carson Wentz has a current ADP of 97, while Nick Foles has an ADP of 172. We will go in alphabetical order of our guest with Brandon first, Kyle, and then Dennis, since you're on with me all the time, we'll save your opinion for last. So Brandon, go ahead and take it away. Okay, well, I don't think there's any reason to get cute here. I think that um, it's Carson Wentz by a proverbial landslide at this point. Um, I mean, there's there's something to be said for Nick Foles. He's a gutsy quarterback. He's overcome lots of adversity. Um, Jeff Fisher. <laughs> namely, Jeff Fisher. Uh, he has good weapons in Jacksonville, but... Carson Wentz, um, not only is he a better quarterback, not only is he mobile, he has better weapons in Philly. I think this is pretty simple. Uh, no reason to get cute. No, I agree with Brandon. I mean, even Matt, even talking about the ADP that you bring up, Carson Wentz in the 90s, Nick Foles in the 170s, I believe. Even at that value, I'm still taking Wentz. I'm taking him for this year. I'm taking him in Dynasty. I'm taking him in Redraft, any format. Pretty much going right off what Brandon said better supporting cast even though they bumped up the, um, the supporting cast in Jacksonville a bit better coaching better offense in Philly and honestly I he's far and away the better quarterback so the one argument I think you could make for taking Foles over Wentz I believe Philly is going to be playing from ahead much more often than Jacksonville uh, so Philly will probably run the ball more. Jacksonville could potentially struggle to run the ball if, uh, oh, what's his face? Fournette loses his mind again. You know, Alfred Blue is just a jag. Armstead's a good-looking rookie, but he's still just a rookie. Uh, the weapons in Jacksonville could potentially be really good. Uh, you know, I love D.D. Westbrook. I think he's a baller. Mm, and me too. If, you know, the tight end comes around a bit, you've got DJ Chark, who's, who is, uh, you know, big and fast and can get down the field. So from a value perspective, Foles could provide the better value. Just, you know, a la Blake Bortles from four years ago where they're playing from behind and throwing the ball a lot more. Um, that, that I think is the only argument. I'm likely going to take Wentz and not risk hoping Foles is playing from behind. Uh, you know, Foles does have a spotty history. It's fun to blame it on Jeff Fisher. I do it. 
but it might not just be Jeff Fisher. It might be that he's just a spotty quarterback. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you guys that Wentz is the easy answer, although I will disagree a little bit on uh, Carson Wentz and uh, Philly having the better supporting cast. I actually think Jacksonville has a really good team around Nick Foles. I actually think their defense is better than Philly's as well, so I don't know if that'll be – I could see Nick Foles not putting up as many points if Leonard Fournette comes back and is Leonard Fournette because they are a run-first team. But I really think if you look at their wide receivers with Phillies, who on Philly are you taking? Are you really taking Alshon Jeffrey that much higher than some of the main guys there on on Jacksonville? Running back by committee, your your chances are you're going to lean more on Leonard Fournette than I mean I love Miles Sanders, but you've got right now Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles if he comes back. I, mean, I don't know if the supporting cast is that much better. Uh, the the one position you obviously have a clear leap ahead is, is Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at tight end. Uh, but I do agree with you guys. Carson well, Wentz is the easy call. I think that Ertz, I think that Ertz and Ertz and Goddard make all the difference there, though. Really? How so? Well, I, I mean, when you have two red zone weapons like that um, that can both be on the field anytime, I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind that uh, they're going to be throwing in the red zone. And, um, you know, touchdowns count for six points. So Yeah, those two tight end sets are scary. All right, well, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. Like I said, I would take Carson Wentz, too. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are, are all in on Carson Wentz this year to finally kind of bounce back to what he was in his MVP year. I just I don't think it's as crazy as some other people do. So I do think Jacksonville does really have a good supporting cast around Nick Foles. And with John D. Filippo going there, which is when Nick Foles has played his best, when Filippo has been calling plays for him, I kind of like his chances to do something good in Jacksonville. The number one overall pick this year, Kyler Murray, who has a current ADP of 114 versus the guy that he kicked out of Arizona and Josh Rosen, who is now in Miami with an ADP of 223. I feel like this one is probably a fairly easy answer as well. But Brandon, who do you think has a better 2019? Uh, I'm going with Kyler Murray here. Uh, He's going to start from the jump there. In Arizona, um, Josh Josh Rosen will probably be sitting behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for at least the first three, four, five games. Um, I think that the Cardinals are completely developing their offensive scheme around the pass and around Kyler Murray, and um, he's going to be the focal point on that team from the get go. And um, I think it'll show in the fantasy points. Uh, you know, starting week one and all the way through, I, I just think that he's going to lap Rosen. As much as I like Rosen, um, and as much as I believe that Rosen will get his shot with the Dolphins, um, I think that for 2019, Murray is definitely the answer there. Yeah, I agree. I'm going Murray. But for a main reason that's not being touched upon a lot, one thing that I really liked in the draft that's actually kind of coincidental because the Cardinals got Andy Isabella through the pick that they traded for Josh Rosen. But I think Andy Isabella does a lot of things similar to Marquise Brown, who put up, what, 1,300-plus yards, 10 touchdowns with Kyler Murray, at quarterback. So I think Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, I think they've surrounded Kyler Murray with weapons that can play on the outside and in the slot That'll that Josh Rosen honestly just, you know, besides Devontae Parker and the absurd offseason hype train, he doesn't have much to work with in Miami. And that's not even including the fact that Kyler Murray has insane rushing upside with his legs. So I'm agreeing. I'm going with Kyler Murray also. 
So are, are we supposed to believe now that the NFC West is the the Big 12? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> so Volume is king, Dennis. Volume is king. So the one thing I think that people are greatly overestimating is Murray having the ability to play all 16 games this year. Mm. I think he's going to be running for his life. And while certain aspects of that de- that offense are designed to move the quarterback, it's going to be uh, a college offense being adjusted to the pro game. Yes, they've brought in three wide receivers that really haven't played that much in that offense. A quarterback that played in that that air raid style offense some. But you have to then convert all of these other offensive linemen, tight ends, running backs, and get everybody on the same page. So there's going to be a learning curve getting them on the same page. And they didn't do anything to improve the offensive line. So I think Murray is going to get beat up. Yes, he's fast, but as we saw last year with Aaron Rodgers, it only takes one hit to really hamper your mobility. And and I think Murray is going to be really susceptible to that. And when his lower body gets dinged up, I think it's going to really affect his ability to avoid trouble and his ability to get set to make the throws. So I think it's going to be a lot closer um, just because I think Rosen is going to outperform that 223 ADP uh, substantially. I I, I like what's going on in uh, Miami. It's going to, there's just as much new stuff going on in Miami as there is in uh, Arizona but I, I'm a Rosen fan. He was my QB one last year. Uh, I don't think he, you know, this se- season I would say probably didn't bear out that that was the the the, the right way to go. Actually, maybe Donald was my QB one. I don't remember for sure. That was a long time ago. Uh, but I, I like Rosen to substantially outperform that 223 ADP. Um, mm-hmm. I just I'm not sold on Murray. I, I didn't have him as my rookie QB one coming into the draft, and and you know I think he's going to have a lot more struggle. He, there's going to be definitely some phenomenal splash plays, but there's going to be some complete and utter nightmares out there too. Yeah, I think uh, for me it would be Kyler Murray. I, I know me and Dennis have kind of been on opposite ends of the spectrum here on Kyler Murray. I, I've been a big fan. I, I do think he's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Don't think what uh, Dennis is saying is wrong on some of the things that he could possibly be doing, but I also think he got one of the best wide receivers in the draft and Hakeem Butler. We won't we won't dive down that road because that'll cause some, some hurt feelings probably more on my end than anybody else's. Uh, but Josh Rosen, <laughs> I, I think he – is going to have a decent year. Actually, I agree with Dennis. I like what they're doing in Miami. You know, if Mike Gusecki can actually take a step forward a little bit here, they've got a really good tight end. Uh, everybody knows who listens knows me and Dennis love Preston Williams. I think he has a chance to be a really good wide receiver for him this year. You know, Devontae Parker, we'll see. I mean, who knows? He, he could. This could be his year. This could be it. You know, maybe he's just a little bit slower than everybody else. So I, I do like what Miami's doing. They have Kenyon Drake, who I think could be very good as well. I think for, for me, the biggest thing and what's going to separate them is how long Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter. If he starts out the season, uh, it just depends, I think, on how long it takes for Josh Rosen to be put into that spot and start playing to, to make up the gap between him and Kyler Murray. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be quite as big as, as others do. Baltimore, 
we saw Baltimore get rid of Joe Flacco to, to the Denver Broncos, whose ADP right now is 210 for Lamar Jackson. Technically, we saw this happen last year when Joe Flacco suffered the injury. Lamar Jackson came in. Even though he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, he was able to rush the ball for an ungodly amount. I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but he set all kinds of records at the QB uh, position for rushing the ball. His ADP right now is 137. Uh, if you've been following any of the stuff on Twitter, you know he's throwing the perfect ball. He's looking like Joe Montana out there and, and Tom Brady. It's ridiculous. He's just throwing the ball so accurately. Now, I, I think you're absolutely right. I definitely think he's looking like Joe Montana. Yeah, Not was, Joe Montana, yeah, yeah, but the whole, actor Joe the whole, Montana. Yeah, that was the whole point. I, was, I didn't know if either, any of y'all would catch the Waterboy reference in there. So that's why I threw it in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's just he's perfect out there. He, he's throwing the balls with no defenders rushing him or, or covering the wide receivers looking like a baller out there. So who do you? I feel like this one again is pretty easy. But who do you think has the better 2019 season, Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson? Um, well, I do think it is pretty simple. I think it's Lamar Jackson, but I'm not as lopsided on this one as some people may be. I think that Joe Flacco is going to have a pretty decent year in Denver. Um, I think he's got some pretty good weapons out there. Um, some emerging wideouts, some second-year guys, and Hamilton and Sutton. Uh, Fant is obviously going to do some things on the field. Uh, but Jackson's rushing upside, regardless of how terrible his accuracy may or may not be, uh, the rushing upside is going to propel him uh, at least into high-end QB2, more than likely low-end QB1 territory. Um, and unless he gets hurt, which is always a chance with rushing quarterbacks, uh, I think it's... Uh, pretty cut and dry that it will be Jackson ahead of Flacco. See, I'm going to agree again, and it's not because I think Lamar Jackson is some fantastic quarterback. I don't even think he's a good quarterback, to be entirely honest. But honestly, I see Drew Locke knocking Joe Flacco out of that starting role probably midway through the season. And looking at Lamar Jackson's rushing numbers, solely his rushing numbers, he started seven games last year and rushed the ball for 147 times throughout the season, which is just an ungodly number. I don't think either are fantastic passers at this point, so I'll take the guy that's going to be running the ball 12 to 15 times a game. I, man, I, I think you kind of have to take Jackson, but I don't feel good about it. It's <laughs> it's the only that. The only redeeming thing I see about that whole situation is I own Mark Ingram on a team or two, and I own Mark Andrews on a team or two. And I think Andrews is going to catch a lot of the passes Jackson is lucky enough to complete, and Ingram is going to lead the team in rushing uh, despite Jackson's best effort. Uh, now, I don't think Ingram gets a lot more carries than Jackson because I think Jackson is going to, you know, revert to what he knows how to do and that's run the ball uh i i like flacco to have a good year i don't think Locke is going to take his job this year uh i i think that well i let me give you a caveat there if flacco gets injured i think Locke can come in and take the job but i don't think Locke is ready to play in the nfl this year really any more than lamar jackson was last year Locke has to settle in uh, he has accuracy issues of his own he's going to need to work on. Um, but I think if Flacco stays healthy all year, doesn't have the back issues reoccur, 
then he's got some weapons there in Sutton and uh, uh, Hamilton. I don't think uh, uh, I don't expect anything out of Emmanuel Sanders this year, but they've got uh, Tim Patrick, who looked really good at the end of the year in the third wide receiver slot. Um, the rookie, Juwan Winfrey, has a really good story and seems to be a really hard worker. Uh, and then they've got the running game with Lindsey and Freeman. And then tight end, they honestly, they're one of the deepest teams at tight end if they can just get any of them to stay healthy. Fant, I think, is going to struggle with rookie tight end issues. Uh, and part of it, that he's not a great blocker yet. But if they can keep... Hireman or Fumagalli or uh, any Jake Butt, any of those Big Ten tight ends healthy, you know, then that's really going to help Flacco out too. I, I think some of his loves the tight end is a bit overstated, but Hamilton and Sutton are two excellent wide receivers that could really, you know, they they can encompass the short and long game and Flacco give Flacco a lot of options there. So for me, I feel like Flacco is going to have close to the number of fantasy points as Jackson, but he's going to have a much more consistent year. So I, I, I'm probably more inclined to take Flacco because as we, when we had Bob Lung on, we talked a lot about consistency. So I think Jackson's going to be, you know, 32 points one game and nine points the next, whereas Flacco's going to be one of those 22, 18, 22, 17, 27, 19 kind of seasons, and and Jackson's going to be way up and down. So I think Jackson ends up in the end with more points, but I think Flacco scoring wins you more games. The consistency argument is a great one, and that has that kind of sways, sways me a little bit. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some for me, I think I would go Flacco too. Although everybody knows I'm I'm a noted Lamar Jackson hater. Uh, the one thing that does worry me worry me about Flacco is I do kind of agree with Kyle. I would not be surprised if Drew Locke ends up becoming the starter, not necessarily based on injury, but if the Broncos fall out of playoff contention and then they put Locke in Locke in there to see what they have. So that does worry me a little bit about Flacco later on down the year. But if you think that might happen. If, well, best ball, you're going to have to grab Drew Locke, but if any kind of redraft league or anything like that, you likely can pick up Drew Locke off the waivers before that happens. Speaking of quarterbacks that could be replaced, we've got another battle here between two that likely could both be replaced by rookies, possibly at the beginning of the year or at least some point in time if they're eliminated from playoff contention. Joe Flacco back in this discussion again again with an ADP of 210 against Case Keenum, who is now in Washington, was shipped out from Denver last year with an ADP of 268. Who do you got? So we've already touched on Flacco, um, so I'll just jump straight to Keenum here and say that I do not believe he will even start a single game this season. I think that Dwayne Haskins will start from the get-go. Uh, the Washington Redskins are such a bottom-of-the-barrel team. I mean, what do they have t- to lose here? Get get the big kid out there. Let him play. Let him play with the rookie wide receivers. Let him get out there and get acquainted with these guys. And um, I just don't see a reason for them to even play Keenum right now. I mean, there's a good reason for him to be on the team as a mentor and uh, as a, as a good backup, you know, I mean, he's, he's been a good backup most of his playing time. And um, I just don't see why they would even bother. I mean, 
if they get to the playoffs this year, they'll be lucky. I see them win, winning four to six games. Um, if that's the case, then why not throw your throw your guy out there and let him get warmed up and let him get accustomed to the league. So yeah, that's a long way of saying that I think that Flacco will out- outscore Keenum. <laughs> All right, yeah, Brennan, I agree with you here. I'm looking at these two quarterbacks, and I am very uninspired. So I immediately look at their backups. You see Haskins taken 15th overall, Locke later in the draft, second round. And I honestly, I agree. I don't think Keenum even starts week one. I think if Haskins stays healthy, I don't think Keenum starts any games. But if I'm looking at Flacco versus Locke, I'm thinking Flacco probably makes it halfway through the season before he gets replaced. So... Unfortunately, by default, I'm going Flacco, but I'm not inspired by either of these quarterbacks. So the argument for Keenum comes down to that age-old situation where the the veteran uh, coach looks around and says, I need to win as many games possible to save my job. What <sighs> what am I gonna what is gonna help me do that? And they go, it's not the rookie that's going to help me do that. It's going to be the veteran game manager. And so there, that's wh- where I can see Keenum getting in the game, uh, being the starter for way more games than he should be. I, I 100% believe it should be Haskins, but he's got he's going to have to go in and he's going to have to substantially outperform Keenum Keenum uh, as a rookie because there's going to be that the veteran is going to give us the best chance to win. Uh, one of the other situations they have going on in Washington is with their left tackle who has basically said, uh, you guys have not been loyal to me. You put me in a bad situation with uh, my injury and uh, I am uh, not going to play for you anymore. And, and they don't really have another option. In that case, I can al- also see, well, let's put the veteran out there until we can figure out this offensive line and let it gel some. It could go If it comes down to Flacco or Keenum, I'm going to take Flacco because in the previous argument, I don't think Flacco is going to be that far off of Jackson if he plays all 16 games. So it's, it's pretty comfortably Flacco over Keenum. But I could see Keenum getting substantial playing time. So if you guys are all going Flacco, would uh, would it change your guys' mind if it was Flacco versus Haskins? That would change my mind. Yeah, I would. I would probably take take Haskins. Dennis, would you take Haskins as well? Yeah, I don't know if I'm if I would because of homerism. Um, I definitely think, you know, like any rookie quarterback, he's going to have some struggles this year. Uh, you know, I, I think Jay Gruden is kind of an overrated coach. He had the reputation as a quarterback whisperer coming out of Cincinnati, and I don't think he's really done anything to support that uh, that that reputation. Uh, but I also don't think Daniel Snyder has really done anything to give him the tools to uh, work with either, so th- there's certainly been issues. He's had a, a you know a good player here and there, but there's there's definitely been you know personnel issues in Washington, and and a lot of them are brought on by Daniel Snyder. 
So uh, I I think uh, I think Flacco versus Haskins, uh, both of them playing sixteen games next year. I would probably say Flacco just ekes out the fantasy points over Haskins. All right, then the last QB battle we have here is one that's going on in Tennessee, just to kind of get your guys' opinion on who you think is going to have the better year. Marcus Mariota with an ADP of 181, or Ryan Tannehill with an ADP of 278? Well, I'm going to break from the norm a little bit here. I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I do my best to never listen to to OTA blurbs. Unless those blurbs are negative. When I hear negative news coming out of these practices, which are known to be the easy mode, uh, so to speak, um, that's really concerning. We've heard lots of things about the, about Marcus's passing game just looks like crap right now. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It tells me that he's, you know, he's either hurt still or he's just not a good quarterback. Uh, we know that Ryan Tannehill can be a serviceable quarterback um, with weapons like Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, uh, Walker when he comes back, um, a solid run game uh, with Derrick Henry. I think that Tannehill can definitely hang in there as a mid-range quarterback, too. Um, this is all predicated, you know, obviously on the fact that, that Mariota does not start for whatever reason, but I believe that if I had to guess, I'd say that's over a 50% chance, uh, judging by what we saw last year and what we're seeing early this year. So I'm going to go with Tannehill here. Uh, this is another uninspiring quarterback situation, but I'm going to go with Mariota barely. And it's not because I think Mariota's the better quarterback necessarily and i've been reading the reports too out of coming out of otas and they are ugly but after the season mariota is more than likely gone um i doubt they'll resign him but i have a feeling that they're going to give him every opportunity to show that he's not what they think he can be and just based on that alone i feel like he's going to get more starts than Tannehill. so by default i guess again 2019 I'll take Mariota for more points than Tannehill, but I would not be surprised at all if Mariota you know, tweaks something or messes up his nerve again week one and Tannehill starts from the second half of week one to week 16. So for this one, I'm going to lean Mariota just because of his, under, um, his free agent status after this season, just so Tennessee can get one final look at what they have. Well, I think both quarterbacks come in uh, at a fairly even playing field since this will be another new uh, offensive coordinator for Mariota. Uh, I, I think that they want Mariota to be the guy. Um, Tannehill makes perfect sense as somebody who's looking to uh, for an opportunity to go, go take a job. I, I agree with Brandon, though. I, I think... I think the injury to, to Mariota hasn't healed like they thought it would. You know, maybe he's got the feeling back, but he doesn't have the strength back. And he, he can't, he's having trouble making the throws. Uh, so this, this might be a situation where 
Mar they, they give Mariota the shot out of loyalty, and he can't perform. And then Tannehill takes over, and uh, Mariota rides off into the sunset. Um, I, I, I kind of think back. You know, Mariota has never struck me. His personality, you know, in interviews and stuff, he has never come off as one of those guys that is just super passionate about the game. He's, he's, he's always struck me as somebody who's a hard worker and he plays the game the right way, but his passion, the, the fire isn't there. And, and it, I don't think that makes him a bad person or anything. I, he certainly, I'm not comparing him to, you know, the likes of Jamarcus Russell or anything, because I do think he tries to do the right thing. He's been beat up his whole career and he's struggled with injuries and I think it's kind of taken its toll on him, and I think he's ready to uh, – he's going to give it a shot and see what happens. But if this injury doesn't bounce back, uh, I I think as far as who's going to score the most points, it's a coin flip because there's so many variables. I think Tannehill has the, the chance to be the healthier of the two, so I'm going to give it to Tannehill. We're leading different lives. It's like you're standing on the dock and I'm in the lake. Sarah, I swear to God, I'll jump in the lake like a merman. Running backs. So this one, I think there's quite a few interesting little battles we have here. I'm really interested to see which way you guys go with this. The first one is probably the most notable one, and we saw Le'Veon Bell sit out the entire year last year for Pittsburgh because he wanted to get paid, and James Conner stepped up and actually played fairly well. While he didn't put up necessarily Le'Veon Bell numbers, he represented himself well enough to win that starting job. Le'Veon Bell, now with uh, Kyle's New York Jets, hoping to have a huge year's current ADP at 8 with James Conner at ADP of 12. Who you guys taking to have the better 2019 season? Well, there are so many un unknowns here be between both of these players. Uh, Bell moving to a new team. He's obviously got uh, some... He's he's kind of a head case. Let's just lay it out there. Um when he shows up to to uh, practice, you uh, feel thankful if you have him on your on your fantasy teams because you just never know, you know. Um, and will Gase be okay with Bell with Bell, you know, as a person, or will he do the psychopath Gase thing and uh, you know bench Bell and put put Powell in, you know? Who knows? Um, Connor, um, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are taking a hit to the passing game, losing Brown. Um, and I think that that may actually affect the run game in a negative way. Um, I think without the threat of Brown, uh, um, teams will be able to focus uh, on the running game a little more. I mean, obviously, Juju is a great player, um, but we have yet to see um, what else is going to happen there with that team as far as James, James Washington and Deontay Johnson. Um, we just don't know what's, what's going to happen there. So I'm going to boil this down and I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell here, um, simply based on talent, based on the fact that I believe the Jets will run the offense through him. And, um, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I'm taking Bell also because I'm looking at Connor's situation. I'm seeing that Jalen Samuels is getting a lot of hype as someone that should get more touches in that backfield, catch more passes. They draft Benny Snell, 
not necessarily too late in the draft. And he does a lot of things that I think James Conner does very well also. Conner was one of my comps for um, Snell coming out. And then I look at Bell, and as a Jets fan, I know how much Sam Darnold loves that little dump-off pass. I think Bell is immediately the best pass catcher, receiver, whatever you want to call it in that offense. And I think from day one of OTAs, week one, I think Le'Veon is going to be Sam Darnold's best friend. I think Le'Veon's going to be an absolute monster in PPR. While I think Connor's going to lose a lot of work in the passing game to Jalen Samuels. Even though Antonio Brown has his, I think, 168 or so targets vacated from last season, I agree with what Brandon said about defenses being able to kind of zone in on the run a little more. I think for 2019 and in the near future, this is Bell all the way. So choosing Bell seems to be the easiest way to go, but I feel like we're in for uh, Le'Veon Bell hamstring season. Mm. I, I think that he he's he hasn't played for a year. Uh, he hasn't always been in the best condition. And while he's an immensely talented player, uh, after being off that long, uh, you you can kind of overdo it. I think he I, I feel like they'll pace him a little bit in training camp, and then when it comes time to turn it on, he's going to tweak that hamstring. And it's going to lead to uh, him missing some time. It'll linger throughout the season. I think I I, I don't have a ton of faith uh, about players. And while it only feels anecdotal, I don't have hard data. I guess I'll have to talk to Matthew Betts uh, to see uh, for sure. But I feel like players who take a season off frequently come back the following season and end up with a soft tissue injury. And, and so for that reason, I'm going to go with Connor. I feel like Connor is going to have some regression from last year, uh, but I do think they're going to um, get Connor the ball plenty of plenty to keep him around that uh, low RB one, high RB two category. Next up, we have uh, what was sort of a committee, well, not even really a committee in Kansas City last year. We saw everything that happened with Kareem Hunt off the field that got him cut. He ended up in Cleveland. His current ADP is 98. Obviously, we'll be sitting out the first eight games, but then we'll be joining Nick Chubb on a very good Browns team at the moment. With Damian Williams, who kind of took over that role there after Spencer Ware got hurt, his ADP is 30. Many believing, or at least the Chiefs are coming out and saying that he will be the lead back, but obviously vying with Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson as well. Who do you think has the better 2019 season? Um, I think the better 2019 season is going to be Damian Williams, um, simply based on the fact that you know he's going to have an eight-game head start on Hunt. Um, I think that Hunt is a good running back, but on top of what I just mentioned, uh, Hunt is going to be sharing a backfield with Nick Chubb, and we all know and love Chubb. Um, and I, actually, I think Damian Williams is a really good running back. I mean, he he got the short end of the stick with the with the Dolphins for many years. I think this is his sixth year in the league. Um, who knows what the deal was there? Um, Dolphins gonna dolphin. Um, so when he got shipped over to the Chiefs, and um, you know what a great offense, what a great team for a running back like him to land on. Um, he finally got to show what he had, I think, and 
the full aspect of what he could do. And he did, you know, and that may have been a case of his fresh legs against opposing defenses being worn down throughout an an entire season. Uh, But we'll see um, come the beginning of this season. Um, But regardless of that, I do believe that Damian Williams will outscore Hunt. Yeah, if we're looking at the running back situations, you've got Damian Williams, who's currently the short-term starting running back in the best offense in the league. I don't necessarily think he's a long-term option there, but that's another conversation. And then you're looking at Kareem Hunt, and he's suspended his eight games, and then he comes back, and he's immediately behind Nick Chubb. It'll probably take him a few games to even get you know, 30% of the workload for the Browns, whatever he'll end up getting at week 10-11 at that point in the season. So if we're just looking strictly at 2019, I think you got to go Damian Williams here. I I don't even think he's much better than Carlos Hyde. I don't even think he's necessarily too much better than guys like Darwin Thompson. But purely based on opportunity, I think it's got to be Williams, even though I think Hunt is the more talented back. The eight-game suspension combined with sitting behind Nick Chubb when he gets back, I just I can't lean Hunt in this situation. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Williams is going to rack up more fantasy points as the the support back to Carlos Hyde than Nick Chubb is going to get next year. I think Williams is who he is, and, and he's, he's a third down spot duty back. Uh, he was forced into playing last season. Uh, after Hunt went out, and he performed pretty well, uh, given the parts that were around him, uh, he was able to fulfill that role. You know, I don't know if Darwin Thompson is, is going to push him out of the way, uh, but I do know that Carlos Hyde, uh, for all the flack he gets, is a solid running back. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He's a capable pass catcher, and he's a powerful runner. He, he, he's, a, he's a good running back. And I, I think he's going to end up, he's going to lead the team in carries next year. Uh, yeah, it's great. You want to talk about Damian Williams, but he's, he, he hasn't, he, he didn't, you know, he couldn't beat out Lamar Miller in, uh, or Kenyon Drake in Miami. And I, I, I'm not sold on him. Uh, I, I'd love to sell him. I have a, a share or two of him and, and I, I just can't find that person that believes in him. Uh, but uh, Chubb is going to come back to a situation where, or excuse me, Hunt is going to come back to a situation where the only way he's going to get significant playing time is if the Browns are out of playoff contention and they want to showcase him to try and trade him. Or if Chubb gets injured. Because Nick Chubb is a hell of a running back. And while Hunt is a hell of a running back also, um, I, I don't think there's going to be – you're not going to run Nick Chubb 22 times a game for, I'm going to say, 10 weeks uh, because it'll take that long after he's activated for him to get back on the field. Uh, you're not going to hand the ball off to Nick Chubb for 22 times a game and then all of a sudden cut him back to 12 or 14 because you've got uh, 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 Kareem Hunt coming in especially if you're winning. So Nick Chubb is going to have a great season next year. 
Carlos Hyde will be the second scorer in the here, and then Damian Williams. Williams might catch forty passes, forty-five passes next year, maybe fifty even. He could be Naheem Hines for all it. I mean, when I look at his pass catching numbers, that's one thing he has been consistent at in his career is catching the ball. <laughs> uh, the, the next battle, I think, might be a little bit more interesting just based on where the other back went because he thrived with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. Tevin Coleman goes and joins the San Francisco 49ers in free agency, has a current ADP of 67, while Devonta Freeman, who is going to be the lead back in Atlanta, uh, has an ADP of 37. Who has a better 2019 season? I think this is a landslide. Give me Freeman all day, all day, every day. I want nothing to do with Coleman. I want nothing to do with the San, San Francisco backfield in general. Uh, I don't care about his history with uh, uh, Shanahan. Uh, that that backfield is going to be a complete night, nightmare, and I'm going to be living that nightmare every Sunday because of the amount of Jarek McKinnon shares I have. Um, I go to sleep at night thinking about it, dreading it. Nobody will take any of those shares off my hands. Um, this is my life. So give me Devonta Freeman every day. Um, they've bolstered the offensive line it appears that he's back healthy this year um there's i i can't think of a reason not to go with freeman here really so see i hate to practically mirror almost everything that brandon's saying but i also don't because he's making some good points i don't like anything about the 49ers backfield and that's mostly because I like all of the running backs in the 49ers backfield, if that makes any sense. I like Breida, I like Coleman, I like McKinnon, but I'd like them all if they were starters on their own individual teams. I hate them when they're all in the same backfield because no one's going to be able to separate themselves from the pack. So I'm going to take Freeman, even though I like Ido Smith. I don't think he's more than just a situational running back. If Freeman can stay healthy, I think he will significantly outperform Coleman unless there's some horrible disease outbreak in San Francisco and McKinnon and Brita both go down. So I'm going to take Freeman pretty easily. Yeah. I, I think the back to own in San Francisco is Matt Brita. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, Coleman showed, has shown that, uh, he needs to have a big wide open hole because he doesn't have terrific vision. And, you know, he's a capable pass catcher, uh, and as long as Freeman stays healthy, I think he's going to be in for uh, a good year. Uh, I don't think Ido Smith is, you know, calling him a situational player is probably the best compliment you could give him. Uh, I'm all aboard the Quadri Allison train. I think Allison is going to supplant Smith as that second back. Um, but I do think that uh, Freeman probably gets somewhere in the range of, 60 to 65 percent of the running back touches in Atlanta if he stays healthy and uh, you know that's good enough to put up a thousand yards on the ground uh, so I, it's pretty handily Freeman the Saints let Mark Ingram walk because of what they have in Alvin Kamara they did bring in Latavius Murray which might have been the better battle here so that's actually what i'm gonna do because uh, we know alvin kamara is going to be the the back to own in new orleans he he's their all-purpose back he, he he will be a stud mark ingram adp at 41 i will find latavius murray's but who has a better year in 2019 mark ingram or latavius murray or alvin kamara we'll, we'll throw both of them in there for the saints 
Oh man, you're throwing me a curveball. I was all primed for the uh, for the uh, changeup right down the middle. Uh, you know what? I really like Latavius Murray, especially going to the Saints. Um, I think that his athleticism and his overall skill as a running back has been uh, discounted for a long time. Uh, he's he's a good player. Um, Ingram going to the Ravens. Uh, here's what concerns me about that. I think that defenses are not going to respect the pass from Jackson. And I know you can't stack the box against a running quarterback with speed like Jackson's, but I think that at the very least you can hang linebackers in that middle of the field zone and just kind of wait and see what happens. Uh, I don't think that I'm, I'm just worried that the Ravens running game is not going to be as strong as people think it will. I'm worried that uh, teams will be able to play minimal man coverage against them just because they don't respect Jackson's passing at all. That being said, I do think that Ingram is a more well-rounded player. He's going to be the starter there. Obviously, um, Murray is going to be sharing a field with Alvin Kamara, a great player, an explosive player. Um, so I'm going to go Ingram here, but it's not without some hesitation. All right, Brandon, you need to take you need to take a step back because you are taking all of my good points. Okay, fuck face. First, take a big step back. Shut, shut your shut your mouth. <laughs> but I'm looking at this and I'm basically agreeing with you. I see Mark Ingram in a starting role. And I think that with Lamar, with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, I think that is going to open up some rushing lanes for Mark Ingram, even though defenses will not necessarily respect the pass. I still think they'll respect Lamar Jackson's legs. However, if I'm looking at relative cost, I want Latavius Murray over Mark Ingram. And the three of you guys also being Dynasty Nerds writers, my most recent article was about how to find, you know, the cheapest possible high upside running backs. And I highlighted three guys being Alex Madison, actually four guys, Alexander Madison, Damian Harris, Daryl Henderson, and then Latavius Murray being the fourth. When I'm looking at guys like that, I'm looking for running backs that are behind solidified studs who were given, I guess you could say just big Long contracts, you know, three years, four years, hopefully three to four million dollars a year. And I'm looking at Latavius's contract. You got a four year, $14.4 million deal. I mean, that is a commitment. The Saints front office is basically saying, okay, if Alvin Kamara goes down, Latavius Murray is our guy. Like we're paying him almost $4 million a year to take over that starting role if Kamara goes down. So, you know, if I just had to pick who's going to have the better 2019, give me Mark Ingram, obviously, because he's the starter. But if we're going based off relative cost or ADP, I'm going to take Latavius Murray because, God forbid, if Kamara does go down, he's going to get workhorse touches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that if Kamara goes down, Murray gets the touches. Uh, I think that the Saints are going to pass a little more this year than they did last year. Uh which is going to limit some of those extra touches because I, I think they know after watching Kamara for the first few games last year, they don't want him carrying the ball 20 plus times a game. 
they don't mind him getting 20 touches, but they're looking more at the 12 carries, eight receptions, kind of 20 touches. So Murray is going to get some uh, some carries. Though I, I wish I could, could remember, it was just a couple, three days ago, I saw on Twitter, somebody posted uh, the number of carries inside like the five-yard line or 10-yard line last year. And uh, Kamara was like in the top five. So they're not afraid to let him carry the ball down at the goal line. But when, when it comes, to, if we're doing Murray versus Ingram, for me, it's comfortably Ingram. Uh I think that the the rush lanes will be there, and nobody really is expecting anybody in uh, Baltimore to keep to break twenty, thirty, fifty yard runs. It's going to be uh, seven yards a pop. Well, if you do that twice, you've got a first down, and so Ingram is Ingram is built for that kind of game. If you look at last season. Uh, Gus Edwards from week 11 through week 16 in a, a limited role as in not catching any passes because he can't was RB 18 though that during those weeks. And I think Ingram can easily surpass that. I don't think that Murray can compete with that. I think Murray is at best a high end running back three with touchdown upside that could potentially get him up into the low to mid running back twos. So I, I, I feel like Ingram's floor is Murray's ceiling. And so that gives me Ingram all the way. The next battle is uh, two running backs that I think could uh, have very interesting seasons with David Montgomery and Jordan Howard. So David Montgomery's current ADP, 64, really just sharing that Chicago – well, he is sharing the Chicago backfield with Mike Davis. Many believe Mike Davis might have a role, might not. And Tariq Cohen, who we saw at times, was very explosive. Jordan Howard with an ADP of 77 there in Philadelphia with, again, a, a backfield by committee, as we talked about earlier in the Carson Wentz and Nick Foles argument. However, Miles Sanders already dealing Dealing with an injury has not even practiced at camp yet. Who knows what they do? What they will do? The Eagles coaches have come out and said that it will be a running back by committee. Who do you guys have with the better 2019 season? Hey Kyle, I'm going to pass this one to you, and I'm, I'm going to let you get your points in there first, buddy. Oh, I was I was just joking. You don't have to do that. No, but David is your guy, so come on, do it. That okay? I'll, oh, that's true. I'll give you that one. All right, thank you. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Um. David Montgomery, I guess you could say before the NFL draft, he was my 1.02 behind Nikhil Harry, my number one running back in the class. I love his contact balance. I love his vision. I think he's underrated as a pass catcher. And for a bigger guy, he has some crazy acceleration. And then you go look at Jordan Howard, and he doesn't really do any of those things well that I just listed, uh, despite the fact that Sanders is struggling with the hammy injury. It doesn't change the fact that he'll probably be a full go by week one. And even if the Eagles backfield is a committee, uh, Howard's probably not maxing out at more than you know 12 to 15 carries per game. I look at Montgomery's situation and I see that you know he's the more talented back. And that Bears defense, I mean, they're going to be up a lot. That's going to lead to a lot of just gritty rushing yards by David Montgomery. I mean... 
third and three, hand Montgomery the ball. Fourth and one at the one-yard line, you're handing Montgomery the ball. I think Cohen's definitely going to get some run in the passing game, but I really do like Montgomery as maybe like a 15 to 17 carry per game back and toss a few catches in there because Cohen can't catch them all out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I would, um, I'm definitely going to agree with that here. I think that, um, you know, Jordan Howard, he's, uh, he's going to morph into more of a situational running back as the season goes on. He's, he's going to be as, as they work Miles Sanders and more and more and more, uh, Miles Sanders is going to be the obvious number one on that team. Uh, Jordan Howard is going to be pushed into short yardage, goal line, uh, spelling Miles Sanders, yada, yada, yada. And I think that David Montgomery, um, although I do worry uh, about um, sharing with Tariq Cohen, who is obviously an explosive player, uh, I think that uh, David Montgomery is going to be the number one out of the gate. Uh, I think that that team is going to lean on the run um, probably more so than the Eagles will. Um, maybe not by much, but uh, I don't necessarily have as much faith in little Mitchell to rack up the passing yards as I do Wentz. Um, so, yeah, I think this is pretty easily David Montgomery. Uh, Jordan Howard will see his role uh, decrease as, this, as the season goes on. Yeah, that that's... Exactly, I think how you see it, how how it's going to play out. I think Howard does have a fairly prominent role to start the year. He's a veteran. He's very solid in the running game. Uh, you know, he he can do a lot of good things. You know, catching the ball just isn't in his bag. I, I think Sanders is going to have to come in and show that he can hold on to the ball. He's got a little bit of a fumble reputation, but he's very dynamic. And I think Montgomery is going to end up uh, the starter, like like Brandon was saying. And Montgomery is a good pass catcher. It'll be interesting to watch how uh, Nagy uses the running backs in Chicago because Davis did show himself to be a, a pretty good back, and and Cohen definitely has a you know he's like Liam Neeson. He has a very particular skill set. They do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. And when he puts it in play, you know, it's, it's hard to stop. So, uh, you know, I, I think I did hear they're going to be using Cohen a lot more on returns and stuff to get him touches in that way. So that could open up a little bit. Uh, I, I think it's, it's Montgomery. He, and I, I don't know if he'll outperform his uh, ADP of, of 64. Um, you know, he is a rookie, and that's asking a lot. But he's also playing the most fantasy-friendly position for a rookie. So, uh, you know, there's that, too. Before we move on to uh, the next battle, number one, Kyle, the only mistake you made with your argument there is that David Montgomery should have been ahead of Nikhil Harry. And Brandon, do not disrespect Mitch Palooza on this podcast. I, I do not appreciate it. I know you're a Packers oh, fan. Oh, boy. I know you're a Packers <laughs> oh, fan. Oh, boy. Little, do not disrespect Mitch Palooza. Little Mitchell. All right. This next one, uh, not necessarily looking more for um, – I guess if you guys really want to break it down, you can. I just kind of 
want to get your thoughts. I think this is actually a real battle here. These next two are ones that are, are not jilted lovers or anything like that. Uh, it's just more battles uh, going on right now. My guy, Ronald Jones, with an ADP of 93 versus Peyton Barber with an ADP of 139 in that Tampa Bay backfield. Who do you guys got? Well, now that um, Ronald Jones has become what the, some folks call a post-hype sleeper, um, I don't mind. I, I really want to go with. I really want to go with Rojo here, but I don't think I can. What the fuck happened? I think uh, it's. <laughs> I think it's still got to be Peyton uh, Barber here. Peyton Barber is. I mean, he's he's just a pro, you know. He 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 doesn't necessarily do anything special, but there's one thing that he does, and that's not get knocked down by a blade of grass that's a little longer than all the rest of them, which Ronald Jones does. Um, Ronald Jones is his contact balance is awful. Uh, he, I mean, for whatever reason he's not a pass catcher. I mean, you would, when you look at his profile, you would think he's built to be a pass catcher. He just never was. And with Arians there, I think that they're going to throw the ball a, a decent amount. You know, there's different stats out there that say that might not be the case. But I think that Peyton Barber is just a solid guy. He's going to give them what, what they want. He's got some pass catching ability. He can he can handle the run game. I've still got to go Barber. I would love to go Rojo here, but I've still got to go Barber. Okay, so if I'm looking at these two players, looking at Ronald Jones coming out last year, see, I don't consider myself an above-average scout or a talent evaluator by any means, but looking at Jones coming out of USC, he has a skinny frame, so he has trouble running between the tackles. Like Brandon said, his contact balance is absolutely horrible. So you think to yourself, you're like, okay, maybe he's not a fantastic between the tackles runner because, you know, contact balance, a bit of a thinner frame. But he must be fantastic at catching the ball in the open field, right? Yes. No, yes. actually, he's not. No, he is. Wait, what were you saying, Matt? No, hey, Kyle, Kyle, we lost you. We lost you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get something. I didn't. I didn't think you'd even let me go that long. But just, just, the, just the blatant disrespect is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I'm just. I'm looking at Jones's profile. The fact that he went before Darius Geis in the NFL draft still leaves me legitimately disgusted. But then, if we're going Insanity. over, uh, right. But then we're looking over at Peyton Barber here. Last season, not he wasn't spectacular by any means, but he quietly had just under a thousand yards from scrimmage and six touchdowns. I mean that that's not too bad compared to Ronald Jones's zero point seven yards per carry last year. Sorry, Matt. You happy? Fatty make a funny. <laughs> um That's alright. That's all right. I mean, I'll, I'll back that stat up in a minute, but continue. I mean if we're looking at Tampa Bay realistically, they're probably going to draft a running back day one or day two of the twenty twenty draft. But if we're looking just 2019, I'm going to take Barber just because I don't have any, I don't believe in Jones's talent. And I don't necessarily believe in Barber's either, but he's, he was moderately impressive last year. Um, that offense should be a little better with Bruce Arians, you know, there and, you know, a thousand yards, six touchdowns. If that's his, even if that's his ceiling, 
Probably not too bad compared to Jones, so I'll take Barber here. Hey, Kyle, was it you that posted the Lamar Miller's yards from scrimmage today? That was me. Yeah. So, you know, Peyton Barber is no Lamar Miller. Uh, I wanted to be, I wanted Peyton Barber to be a thing. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what their plan is, uh, this year for running back in Tampa because I don't think Barber is, is the solution. And I definitely don't think Ronald Jones is the solution. You know, they brought in Bruce Anderson as a free agent, but even then, you know, it's, I, I I don't know. It, it's they. They are they going to trade for somebody? You know, if not, then you know they may throw the ball seven hundred times this year. Ooh, that would it, be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's you know, the, and they have the players. I mean, you know, the between Howard and Brayton and Evans and uh, Watson and Godwin, you know, they can throw the hell out of the ball, and it, it just. You know their running back situation. It, it's it isn't an either or. It's a neither. And you know if I'm forced to take one, you know I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm not taking Jones. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the cheaper guy though, right? I I got no. You don't. <laughs> I tell my kids all the time: the best value is not always the cheapest price. Oh well, Barber is definitely cheaper though, right? He's, I don't think he's cheaper than Rojo, is he? I guess I'm not yes, looking at the sheet. If he is, that's just ludicrous. Yes, he's, he's t- close to 40 spots behind him. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so drafters are drunk. It's, it's all of the, uh, it's all of the, the preseason I, hype on Rojo. He's getting all the camp time. It's not post-hype sleeper. It's post-sleep hyper. I was going to say, I hate to butt in right here, but you know, when I made the 0.7 yards per carry joke, I was, you know, just joking around. So then I look it up. I mean, this dude had 23 carries for 44 yards last year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even that far off. <laughs> no, you weren't. Yeah. I, I mean, Barber's the guy that I'm going to take in this backfield. Uh, but it's going to be at gunpoint. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to take Dylan Cantrell or, you know, John Ross, maybe. Bruce Anderson. Yeah. I like Bruce Anderson. Yeah. You know, too. all the reports on him are, are good. But you know, when you look at his stats and you kind of look at what little film you can find, there's, you know, it, 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 I don't want to say, you know, the stat, the numbers were a little underwhelming. He didn't, for all the talk about him being a great pass catcher, he didn't catch that many passes in college. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's not good at it by any stretch. Right. Uh, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, he wasn't good enough to get drafted. You know, and that could be just the general devaluation of running backs. That could be, you know, he's going to have to go in and fight his way up. That's true. All right, I've been trying to find this Ronald Jones uh, stat here, but I can't find what I did with it. But he was hit in the backfield more often than he fumbled it. 
Now, he probably did fumble it, but that's all right. You know, I know you guys are going to say that he sucks, but uh, he's going to break out this year. And when he does, I am going to rub it in all of your faces. All he's going to have 39 carries for 87 yards. <laughs> better than what he did this year, and that's all that matters. So you can consider a breakout <laughs> year, so I will win that argument. All right, the next battle, that matters, sort of. And and this is not for 2019. I do want to preface it as, a I guess, your career. I know there's a lot you have to factor into that. Uh, but going forward, who would you rather have for your running back of your dynasty team, Miles Sanders with an ADP of 79 or Josh Jacobs with an ADP of 46? Uh, well, Miles Sanders is my 2019-101. Um, so that's pretty simple for me to go ahead and say Miles Sanders. I think um, – Josh Jacobs lands on a team where the uh, is ripe. Uh, he will be the lead back uh, starting week one. What that means exactly, we're not sure yet. Uh, that will play out as the season unfolds. Um, but give me the talent of Miles Sanders, the dynamism of Miles Sanders, the uh, well-roundedness of Miles Sanders. Um, I think that uh, it's telling that he sat bes- behind Saquon Barkley at Penn State. Um, I never got to see the field much during that time. I think that uh, Miles Sanders' ceiling could be 75% of Barkley, and um, I'm all in on that. See, from a dynasty perspective, I don't really like either of these players, so I don't really see any instance where either of these players would be on my dynasty team. Looking at, we'll start with Sanders first. Again, you can't complain about Sanders not producing earlier in his collegiate career, obviously, because he sat behind Barkley. Um, when given the opportunity to start, he ran away with it. He looked fantastic. He was a little questionable on film to me. I didn't love his contact balance, and that's the number one trait I'm looking for when scouting a running back. Um, I'm looking over at Josh Jacobs. First-round draft capital landed in you know that gritty offense that's going to give him 250-plus touches in a, in a season, 300-plus touches. But he has the, the horrible, gross combination of lack of production in college and lack of athleticism. And while... Just over 80% of running backs who are drafted in the first round have 1,000-yard rushing seasons throughout their career. I don't love Jacobs from a long-term perspective just for those reasons listed earlier. If I had to pick one, I'm taking Jacobs, but I'm not happy about it. I'm selling both of them at their current cost, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I won't say I, I wouldn't have either one of these players, but generally, if I'm drafting them... And it's in a rookie draft. It's probably they've they've fallen to the 106 or 107, uh, and that that's not happening. So, you know, I'm not drafting them. Uh, Jacobs, you know, it's troubling to me that he couldn't beat out Damian Harris. And people, uh, you know, the argument against is like, oh, Saban uses a stable of backs and. My reply is, yeah, but Damian Harris rushed for over 1,000 yards twice. Well, Josh Jacobs was a three-star, and he had to work yet, but he didn't. So, you know, Damian Harris is not Saquon Barkley. And so I, I give Sanders more of a pass not getting more playing time behind Barkley. 
And whether that, I guess, whether that's a BS argument or not, I don't know, but that's how I feel about it. And at their values, at, at their ADPs, it's going to be Sanders easily. But I, again, I, I think Sanders is, I, I don't want to say he's falling into a committee situation, but he's definitely going to have to prove himself because the Eagles do have a solid running back in uh, Jordan Howard. And Jacobs is going into a situation where if the Raiders fall behind, they know Jalen Richard is going to produce in the running game. Jacobs is going to have to, to be able to outproduce him. Um, Doug Martin is, at this stage of his career, I, I was going to be mean and say Damian Harris, but that's not fair. Uh, Doug, Doug Martin is—he's is, just a guy, you know. I still like Chris Warren's talent. I definitely think that Josh Jacobs is going to get every opportunity in Oakland, um, but he's too expensive for my taste here. So I'd take Sanders. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So, hey, what are you guys doing in August? Because I know what I'm doing. Ooh. The, the Fantasy Football Roundtable, we're going to be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio, on Sunday, August 28th, from 12 to 6 p.m. We're going to have a booth uh, at the Expo. It's at the Canton Art Cultural Arts Center, uh, so if you've never been to the Hall of Fame, that's a great weekend to come up. You can go to the Hall of Fame on Saturday, to the Expo on Sunday. There's going to be tons of fantasy football experts with booths, podcasts going on live, different things going on, uh, strategy talks. You'll be able to meet a whole bunch of people. Uh, it's gonna, it's in Canton, like I said. You can register at www.midwestffexpo.com. And if you enter code Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, like our listener league, the Knights of the Roundtable, you can get $5 off your admission. Yeah, we're excited to be there. We'll, we'll have a booth there. Both of us will, will be there. We'll be able to talk to you guys. We'll also have a bunch of free swag uh, that I cannot wait to post up on Twitter here soon once I get it uh, to give away to listeners, and, and you guys can get yourself some as well if you're there at the Expo. So let's move on to the wide receivers. I think we should stop seeing each other. Just like that? Just like that. Did you say why? I mean, this thing, what are we doing? I mean, is this normal? Uh, we've got a bunch of really good battles here, too. The first one I feel like is probably more of a landslide, but technically both these guys are now new. the ones on their teams. Odell gets shipped out of New York and joins the Cleveland Browns with an ADP of 11, while Sterling Shepard, who is technically the most tenured wide receiver there now and likely going to be the number one, although I do think he'll be vying with Golden Tate for that spot with an ADP of 80, who has the better year. Uh, I think this is a landslide in Beckham's favor, for sure. Um, but what I will say is that I believe that Shepard is going to have a really nice year coming up. Um, how nice that is depends on the quarterback play. Um, can it get any worse than Manning from last season? I'm not sure. 
Um, can Manning get worse, or can he at least stay the same? Will Daniel Jones come in? Who knows? But 2019 and moving forward, the answer here is Beckham Jr., um, but don't sleep on uh, Shepard. He's he's going to have a nice year here. Yeah, it's definitely Odell for me, too, in a landslide. But looking at Shepard and the Giants in general, everything I'm about to say is going under the assumption that Eli Manning will not be the starting quarterback there. I'm just going to base off Daniel Jones because I don't think anything is going to go well if Eli is the starting quarterback there. But if eventually Daniel Jones takes over this year, I like that for Shepard. I like that for Tate. I like it for Ingram, and I like it for Saquon. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a checkdown machine in that offense, honestly, because he has no choice, because he's operating with a bunch of targets who are used to absurdly low average depths of target throughout their career. Um, it's definitely Odell for me, but again, I agree with Brandon. I think Shepard's going to have a good year, and I think Tate's going to have a good year also. Uh, it's not really a contest. You know, Shepard is Jarvis Landry to uh, Golden Tate. I think to- Tate is still going to, I think, be the, the target leader. I think Shepard is going to not be far behind him. Uh, but OBJ is going to he's going to get a, a substantial amount of targets in Cleveland. Uh, at some point, there's going to be some point this year where we're going to be bitching about him forcing the ball to OBJ uh, when Hollywood Higgins is wide open. Uh, I like, honestly, in, in New York, the guy that I'm buying there is Corey Coleman. I think he's going to slip into that third wide receiver job. And while everybody is so focused on they can't throw the ball, they only throw the ball short. He's going to catch. He's going to have those Deshaun Jackson kind of games. You know, two catches for ninety-three yards and a touchdown. Uh, so I, I'm kind of throwing my dart there. I like Shepard and, and uh, Tate to both have good seasons. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're going to be wide receiver one level seasons. Um, so in this comparison, or, or if I'm ta- who I'm taking here, it's certainly OBJ. The next battle is uh, one that uh, not only happened on social media, but is now also happening on this podcast. Juju Smith-Schuster, a big fan favorite of a lot of people out there, with an ADP of 17 versus AB, the, the scorned lover there in Pittsburgh, who actually has an ADP of 19, which is very surprising to me that he's going ahead of AB with everything AB has done in his career, who has the better 2019 season? Um, give me Juju Smith-Schuster here um, and moving forward, you know, also. I think that um, the numbers for wide receivers moving teams and then carrying on the same level of success are are, are out there for us to see, and they're not very good. Um, obviously, A.B. is an outlier. He's... he's one of the best of all time. He's a great player, um, but at the same time, you have to take into account uh, the downgrading quarterback from Roethlisberger to Derek Carr. You have to take into account um, the willingness of his new coach to throw the ball uh, as much um, as Tomlin did. Uh, these are so many. There, there are so many unknowns. Uh, moving forward with Brown, um, what I do know is that Juju is very young. He's explosive. Uh, he's got a quarterback that loves to throw the ball down the field, and he's the number one in that offense. Yeah, I agree. Again, 
I'm taking Juju. Last year, he had 166 targets, and Antonio Brown had 168. Uh, those 168 targets of ABs are obviously going to be vacated, and the only other viable receiving options that Pittsburgh brought in this offseason are Deontay Johnson and Dante Moncrief. They are not reaching 168 targets combined, in my honest opinion. I think Juju is definitely going to take a nice little chip out of those. I agree with what Brandon said about A.B. switching teams. That's usually not a very smooth transition for wide receivers. So I'm taking Juju, who I think is just an absurd 22 years old or something crazy like that. I'm taking Juju 2019, and I'm taking him for years to come. I think he's going to be a stud for the next seven, eight years. Yeah, that's that's pretty much a no-brainer. You know, the, I think the question in Pittsburgh is how much, how many of those targets will James Washington take? Because I agree, they're not going to Moncrief and uh, Johnson, but I could see James Washington going from you know thirty-eight targets to seventy-five targets. See Vance McDonald going from seventy-two to a hundred. So they can get even pretty evenly distributed. Uh, is Ben going to throw the ball 675 times again is probably the bigger question. So, you know, that was 125 more pass attempts than Derek Carr had. So potentially I could see Ben coming down and Carr going up, so that might level out the attempts. But it ends up ultimately being is – Oh, uh, is AB going to be a big enough outlier in the whole change teams, change offenses uh, history of the game to be able to, to do that? And ultimately, I don't think so. Uh, I think he, he's older and, uh, you know, he's he can't teach an old dog new tricks. He's going to do what he does and he'll have some success. Uh, he isn't going to be as consistent, I think, as he once was. And uh, but he's still going to have a good season. Juju's just going to have a better one. On an unrelated note, the St. Louis Blues are just kicking the crap out of the Boston Bruins, which is kind of interesting to see. But we'll move on. Uh, we are running a little short of time here, so I'm just going to hit these. La- uh, there's three more battles that I'm really interested in getting your guys' opinion on that I'll hit before we uh, we close this out. Um, and AB is in this one as well. He's replacing the wide receiver that they traded in midseason to the Dallas Cowboys, Amari Cooper, with an ADP of 29, or AB with an ADP of 19. Um, give me Amari Cooper here. Um, I know that um, he can tend to have uh, a boom-bust profile, um, but I think that he is the clear-cut, without a doubt, number one passing option in that Dallas offense. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to back off of the things I said about Brown earlier. I'm just really nervous about the transition to a new team. I'm nervous about the down, downgrading uh, quarterback. Um, give me Amari, man. Give me. Man, Brandon, I thought I was going to catch everyone off guard when I said that I wanted Amari also, but I guess that will not be happening. Erroneous. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. I am taking Amari also. I'm taking Amari in redraft. I'm taking him in dynasty. I'm I'm sticking to the brand here with my Amari love. I mean, looking at the numbers last year, he was traded to the Cowboys in the middle 
of a season. Usually when wide receivers go to new teams in free agency, when they have an entire offseason to learn the playbook, they still struggle. Amari Cooper was traded to the Cowboys halfway through the year, played 11 games, and if you extrapolate his 11-game stats into a 16-game pace, there would be 96 receptions for over 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was traded halfway through the season. I mean, that's absurd. They brought in only Randall Cobb to really compete for targets. I mean, I see no reason as to why Amari can't even improve on those numbers with an entire offseason to learn the playbook. I, this is Amari for me. I know that Matt's going to rip it apart. Matt, I'm sorry. My man, but I'm going Amari here, my boy. I don't think it's really that big of a... It's not a controversy to go Amari over Antonio Brown. He's settling into his new seat, new team. Uh, he's got a year in the offense now to assimilate it. I think some of the issues with Amari last year were the was the inconsistency, the volatility, uh, and that's been something that uh, you you have to learn to live with. It was that way in Oakland. I think uh, he'll always have some of those games where he explodes or where he disappears. But um, that being said, I think he's he's ascending more so than uh, Antonio Brown. And so he's the guy that I want to take in that situation. Yes. Yes. Love it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right. Let's make some bad decisions here. So. <laughs> we're not going to do it right now because we're running out of time and I don't want to waste people's time. But we're going to come up with a bet here because AB is going to smoke Amari Brickhand's ass this year. Oh, boy. Oh, Lord Amari sucks. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know what you guys are smoking over there, wherever you guys are at. But Amari Cooper, he's he's a, he's good. He's good. I'll give you guys that. I, I've come around a little bit on that train. Amari Cooper is not a wide receiver three. I'll give you guys that. But you know what Amari Cooper <laughs> isn't? He's not a wide receiver one like Antonio Brown is. Amari Cooper is going to finish outside the top 12. He is not going to repeat what he did in Dallas last year. He's just not that good. Great. Good for him. You can extrapolate the stats all you want on, you know, if, if he was if he was a better player, he'd have better stats too as well, Kyle. It doesn't matter what he did in the half season there with Dallas. Not gonna happen. We'll figure it out in the chat. We'll we'll come up with something and all. We'll talk about it on the podcast next time we have you guys on, or or we'll talk about the bet that I'm gonna win against all three of you uh, because uh, AB so, is going Matt, to win. Yeah, go ahead. Go I'll ahead. grant you this: Amari Cooper is not the wide receiver one that Antonio Brown was. So Antonio Brown is heading for washed up. You're right. He, he, I, I don't disagree with you on that, but we said the 2019 season. I'm not talking right. about what they're going to do in 2020. AB will have a better 2019 year than Amari Cooper. Yeah, I don't know. I do know. I have a crystal ball right here. I can see the future. <laughs> I'm going to win right, everything Matt, next year. Go ahead. What's up, Kyle? Bef- sorry, before we move on, I got one question for you. Just because I like hearing, because Amari gets so much hate, I like hearing what other people have to say. If you, I know if, you know, you're not a fan, but if you take those stats and you extrapolate them, you know, the 96 receptions, 1300 yard, 10 touchdown, if that's a 16 game, if that's a 16 game pace, that would have placed him as wide receiver 10 overall last year. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes you so confident that he's going to do worse than he did 
this year, next year, with an entire off season to learn the playbook? I'm just curious. Dak Prescott Blind sucks. Hatred. That's what. No, just Dak Prescott sucks. That's just. I'll just be honest. I do not think Dak Prescott is nearly as good as everybody else thinks he is. And I also think that. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I also think that they were kind of able to surprise defenses with Amari Cooper being there. Nobody knew what they were going to kind of do. You also have a new offensive coordinator coming in there, and John Kitna, who's never even called to play before. Congratulations, you were a quarterback in the NFL, so you must know what you're doing. No, you don't. He's never been an offensive coordinator before. Jason Garrett's a fucking retard. Dak Prescott's not that good. The only (laughs) thing they have going for them is Zeke Elliott. So, yeah, when teams run up or teams, you know, flood the line and try and stop Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper is going to make a play here and there because he can't drop every pass thrown to him. But he's not – he's just not going to have a better year than A.B. Wait. I'm telling – I'm not – I don't think a – I don't think Amari Cooper is a bad wide receiver. I – as I said, I made a bet. I I was trying to give Cowboys fans that he would make top 12, and they didn't want that. They said he's going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver this year. It's just not going to happen. But A.B. will. I know Derek Carr is, is – everybody wants to say Derek Carr sucks. Derek Carr is a lot better than we give him credit for. He also is now two years into John Gruden's system. A.B. is going to come in there. They're going to force-feed him the ball. They were force-feeding the ball to Jared Cook last year because they didn't have anybody else. A.B. is by far the best talent they have on that team, and we saw it in Pittsburgh. Even when you double-cover him, triple-cover him, A.B. is going to get the ball, and he can do something with it when he gets it. So I trust AB over Amari Cooper. I'm taking. I I will take Derek Carr over Dak Prescott. I know that that might seem ludicrous to a lot of people, but the only thing Dak Prescott has over Derek Carr is the rushing ability. If you go back and look at what they do passing, Derek. Uh, sorry, not not Derek. Dak. Dak Prescott is not going to throw for four thousand yards. He's come close. Throw for thirty eight hundred. He's not going to throw for four thousand yards. Forty two hundred yards even. I don't think he's capable of it. I don't think he has the capacity to do it, which he's going to have to do if Amari Cooper is going to be a top twelve wide receiver. But you know who can do that? Derek Carr can. So I'm going to take the wide receiver, and I'm going to take A.B. because he's just better. He is just better. I don't think that's an unfair statement to make. I don't think Amari Cooper sucks, but he's not A.B. And I do think at least this year in 2019, A.B. is going to have a better year. I'm not saying that you know in 2020, 2021, 2022, A.B. will. But in 2019, A.B. will be better than Amari Cooper. All right. Fair enough. I'm excited to... Split the winnings of our bet with Brandon and Dennis. And I'm excited to again and rub that in all you guys' faces when it comes through. If not, I'll just deactivate my Twitter account because I don't need it anyways. All right. Derek Carr, Derek Carr threw for a grand total of 200 more yards than Dak Prescott last year. But that was just last year. I mean, you, go and look at their careers and see how much better Derek Carr has been than Dak Prescott. Uh, you can't. You has can't, he really? Yes, he has. It was the first year in John Gruden's system, and they were both pissy with each other. They were like jilted ex-lovers with the way they acted toward each other, yelling at each other, wanting to look like they were kind of trying to kiss on the sidelines, but then they didn't know if they should. It was all kinds of weird shit going on in Oakland, all right? What if I told you that last year Derek Carr set a career high in yardage? Good for him. He'll be even better in 2019 then. Two years in John Gruden's offense. But Dak won't be better. No, have you has John Kitna ever called a play before in the NFL? No, but he's the quarterback coach. Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's even worse. So there we go. Kellen Moore has Kellen Moore ever called a play in, in the NFL? Who yeah, is last Kellen year Moore? he took over calling the plays. Well, that's not great because Dallas Cowboys were not as good as everybody likes to think they were last year. Who's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Is it still Jason Garrett? 
Yeah. yeah, he's still a retard. But so what's John Gruden done the last five years? He I went and made a lot of money in the uh, booth. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, he, he got a hundred million dollar contract for nothing. For not for nothing, they gave it to him John for some Gruden, reason. John Gruden is going. Gruden is. He hopes to have as good a record as Jason Garrett did last year. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it'll happen eventually. We'll see. I mean, there's no point in continuing. We, we can't. We won't be able to tell until the end of this year. But I, I know I'm going to be right again. I got the crystal ball right here. Uh, I, I sold my soul to Satan to to figure out what's going to happen next year. I already know what's going to happen. So <laughs> AB is going to have a better year. The last one, uh, just because I want to see Brandon and Kyle go at it before we close <laughs> it out here. Uh, they kill Harry with an ADP of 111 versus Paris Campbell with an ADP of 132. And I don't want to do 2019 season. I want to do the same thing we did with Sanders and Joshua Jacobs here. Overall career, who has the better career? Go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, as many of you know, I am in love with Paris Campbell, and I will ride this train into the sunset. Give me Paris Campbell every day. I think the NFL is changing right now, and it's shifting towards speed, it's shifting towards yak, it's shifting towards versatility. I think that Paris Campbell has all these things in spades. Not only that, but he landed on the perfect team to take advantage of these things. I think that Paris Campbell is poised uh, for possibly a 1,000-yard season this year. Um, Nikhil Harry's situation uh, makes me nervous. Um, There's already been reports um, that he's struggling to separate in practice, easy mode, like I said earlier. this is going to be a problem with Tom Brady, who is notorious for uh, having trust issues with guys, kind of like uh, Rodgers in that sense. Um, he's going to select his favorites, and he is going to stick with those guys. Um, that's not to say that Harry can't develop that and build it and make it happen, but I see Nikhil Harry as an elite chain mover. I think that that's going to be uh, his his launching point for the majority of his career. He's going to be a red zone guy. He's going to be a chain, chain mover. Um, and, and on top of that, who knows how much longer Brady is going to be playing. I mean, we know that luck is young. He's going to be playing for eight to 10 more years, probably, uh, if, if he can stay, stay healthy. Um, so for the career, give me the guy with uh, the higher versatility, um, with the younger quarterback, on an explosive offensive team. All right. So before I get to Harry as a player, I'm going to talk about the situation for a second. So if we're looking at the his surrounding cast or the players that were there that last year that are no longer there this year, first you look at Rob Gronkowski. Gone, retired, he's opening up you know, red zone targets. You look at Josh Gordon, it's, he's sadly probably as good as gone for the 2019 season and going forward opening up targets across the middle of the field. You look at Chris Hogan, he's gone. Opening up targets down the field, and then you look at Danny Amendola, gone, taking away slot targets. And I think it's very fair to look at Nikhil Harry's college tape and say that he struggles separating. And 
I agree. While I think the issues are overblown a little bit, I do think that he is not a great separator, definitely not one of the top separators in the class. But look back a few years back, Juju Smith-Schuster, one of the top wide receivers in, I believe, was it the 2017 draft that was struggling with separation coming out of USC. And what Pittsburgh did is they put him as a big-bodied slot player, operating mostly out of the slot for Big Ben. He uses big body to create mismatches, just like Harry's going to be able to do. Just like Brandon was saying, Juju using his fantastic yards after catch ability, just like Harry has. He was used as a punt returner. I mean, they got him in space. I think that... Nikhil Harry will be a great safety blanket for Tom Brady because I think while he can be an, like a solid outside player, I think he's going to play mainly in the slot, and I think he's going to be a target monster with all those receivers gone. I think he may, he may not be as productive year one as Paris Campbell just because the situation's not quite as good. But I think looking long-term... Even after Brady retires, I think Nikhil Harry is the ideal receiver for a young, possibly inaccurate quarterback because he provides a big body target with a low average depth of target. I mean, looking back to November 2017, Nikhil Harry was my 101 in the 2019 class. Now we're looking at, what are we, in June right now? And... He's still my 101 in this class. I'm taking Harry for all those reasons. Not that I dislike Campbell. He was just used a little one-dimensionally at Ohio State. Not to say that he cannot be used as, you know, as a deep threat, as an intermediate threat. It's just that we haven't really seen it yet. I'll take the player that I know has been productive in college, the player that I know can be, you know, flashy with the ball in his hands, whether it's two yards down the field or 50 yards down the field. I'll take Harry in the long term. So, Campbell wasn't productive in college? Oh, no. I never said he wasn't productive in college. I'm you saying said that you'd take the player that was productive in college, and that seems to imply Campbell wasn't since you took Harry. Oh, no. That was, not to be, that was not meant to be a knock on Campbell. What was meant to be the knock on Campbell was the, when I said the low average depth of target. Uh, 4.5 yards, I believe, which, again, is not saying that he cannot do it, but we don't know if he can do it because we have not seen him do it while we have seen Harry do it. Yeah, we, we yeah, debated I, I think whether that, it was the offense or, or how, it was, how much of it was how Urban Meyer used him versus what he can do, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, but I kind of agree with Brandon and that a lot of – you know, offenses in the NFL are starting to make use of that. If I have somebody that can break a tackle or is really elusive, why do I need to wait till he's 20, 25 yards down the field to get him the ball? Uh, and so Paris Campbell has shown that he's got elite traits when it comes to that. So if he can catch the ball good when he's downfield, I, I think that he'll – his game may translate with a little more diversity than Nikhil Harry's, but I, I like both players uh, a lot. Um, it's, I, I tend to, I'm going to weight the situation towards Campbell more because I, this year, Andrew Luck was my QB one and Andrew Luck has eight or 10 more years. 
Tom Brady probably has eight or ten more years, too, because he's a <laughs> cyborg. Um, but he's certainly, you know, he isn't performing like he at the level he used to. He still shows flashes. Uh, but for me, I feel like Sony Michelle is going to have a, a great big year this year. You know, he's looking at you know twelve hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. Uh, James White is still going to get his, and Harry is going to have a good year. But for their career, I feel like uh, Paris Campbell is kind of where I'm going based on knowing who his quarterback is going to be for the foreseeable future. And Dennis, I think you hit the nail on the head there, and this could probably apply to both Harry and Campbell in different ways, but I think that uh, for certain players, depth of target is not as important as it maybe once once was. When you take into account uh, yak and speed and elusiveness, um, which we all know that Harry definitely has the yak abilities, I think that the depth of target is kind of an overblown argument, especially when it comes to uh, Campbell. I mean, you guys know who I'm taking. That's not even an argument, really, for me. Uh, Nikhil Harry, extremely overrated. Extremely overrated. Give me Paris Campbell <laughs> all day long. I mean, he's... I know this is going to sound crazy when this comes out of my mouth, but he's playing with the better quarterback because Andrew Luck right now at his point in this in his career I think is better than Tom Brady uh, and will be going forward. Tom Brady is only going to be moving down. Now, Tom Brady is a better quarterback overall. Hall of Famer, probably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game. Andrew Luck is better right now. We don't even know if Tom Brady will be playing next year. We all know he said he wants to play for a couple more years. We don't know that. I agree with Brandon. Tom Brady has never really just, except for outside of Randy Moss, we did see Josh Gordon have a pretty good year with him last year. I just don't think Nikhil Harry steps right in and is the go-to guy for Tom Brady. I also don't think he comes in and replaces Gronk like a lot of people think he is, and them using him as being the big red zone target. Maybe they will. I don't know that for sure, but I do think they're leaning more toward a run-heavy game plan. That's why they drafted Damian Harris, or it could be because they're worried about Sonny Michelle's knees, which a lot of that stuff's been coming out too. But I'm going to stick with my point earlier that they're just going to go more run-heavy. I don't think Nikhil Harry is quite as good as many others do. Give me Paris Campbell, a guy who's going to rack up all kinds of yards and touchdowns after the catch in an explosive offense. Guys, thank, oh, go ahead, Kyle, before we close it out, go ahead. Oh, oh no, you're fine. I was just going to say one more thing. Just that, you know, I agree with a lot of the points you guys were saying. When you, Matt, when you were saying, you know, this may sound weird coming out of my mouth, and but then went on to talk about Luck being better than Brady for now and in the future, I agree. Like, I, th- I definitely think Campbell's in the better situation now. But I've also found that, you know, in my years of playing Dynasty, which, you know, I'm only 20 years old. I haven't been playing. I can't say I've been playing that many years. But in the few years I've been playing Dynasty, I have noticed that whenever I tend to put player situation over player talent, it usually comes back to bite me in the butt. Just because in the NFL, situation changes so much. So much can change in a given year from one year to the next. So that's why I'm always hesitant to say I'm taking this guy because he's in the better situation. While I agree, you know, if we're just looking 2019, I think that's a fair argument. But long term, I just feel like so much could change. I feel like that's I feel like that's just a tough thing to go off of. I agree with it's you. It's a good thing you, you can get the best of both worlds then, the better talent and the better land spot. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> okay, so 
I wasn't going to go quite as far as Brandon did right there. What I was going to say is kind of try and meet you halfway in the middle there and say I agree with what you're saying, Kyle. For me, the difference is I don't think the difference in skill set between Nikhil Harry and Paris Campbell is that big of a difference. I think they're a lot closer in skill than other people give them credit for. So that's why, for me, I would lean Campbell because not only is he maybe – and I wouldn't even say a step down from Nikhil Harry, maybe half a step, maybe a couple, maybe a pinky toe below Nikhil Harry in skill. And now he's in the better situation with the better quarterback, so that's why I'd go Campbell. Uh, thank you guys so much for jumping on with us tonight. I can't wait to get this up there. I already put up a poll on our little thing, and like I said, we'll, we'll figure out a way to uh, to pay off this bet, or I should we when you guys have to pay off this bet at the end of the 2019 season. Uh, before we cut out of here, uh, give everybody your uh, your Twitter. Um, I, the name just jumped out of my head, so your Twitters. Uh, and uh, if you guys have anything coming up in Dynasty Nerds or any articles you guys are working on you want people to check out. Sure. Uh, you can find me at Dynasty Theorist on Twitter. Um, I write for Dynasty Nerds. Um, and currently working with Dennis on a 32 teams in 32 days. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, series, I guess. That's uh, what I'm going to be covering... The- yeah, I'm going to be covering the Green Bay Packers and the Washington Redskins. Um, so that's what I have coming up right now. I've got a couple more things in the works, but those will be saved for later. All right. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at DynastyFF underscore Kyle M. I am also working on the 32 Teams in 32 Days series. I'm writing about my personal favorite team, the Jets. And for Dynasty Nerds, I'm also currently working on an article where I'm looking at historical trends among productive rookie wide receivers and determining which factors to look for in their rookie profile to determine you know, how to sift through these receivers, see if you know this productive rookie receiver may go on to have three consecutive thousand-yard seasons or maybe if their rookie year is potentially the most productive year in their career. So I'm kind of researching that topic and I'm finding some really cool stuff. So I'm really excited to put that out there. So if you're writing about the Jets, Kyle, do the tears translate to the internet? Oh gosh. <laughs> I, you are, if you're scrolling through my article, I expect, you know, the three or four people that actually read it <laughs> based on, you know, who wants to read about the Jets from a fantasy perspective. But Tossed in there, you'll see the occasional sad face, crying face, an occasional screenshot of me with a tear rolling down my cheek where, you know, there should be a picture of the Jets logo. Uh, it's a great to, it's a great read. I just want you to uh, put a me. gif of uh, Adam Gase's crazy eyes in there, man. It'll be worth the read just for that right there. <laughs> so, you can find me here on uh, Fantasy Football Roundtable uh, with Matt. He allows me to keep coming back. So uh, I appreciate him, and I appreciate that. For now, we'll be for up now. A, there's, yeah. there's interviews for replacements in the works at the moment. Just that's so. right. That's <laughs> right. We'll we'll be up at the uh, Fantasy Football Expo. Don't forget August 18th. Use the uh, code Knights K N I G H T S for five dollars off your admission. Uh, I am also working on the 32 teams in 32 days. The uh, Chargers just came out today. We got a little off sequence there, but. Uh, that's out. Uh, I forget. I've signed up for a couple other teams. I've tried not to be a hog about it. Uh, let's see. Still, uh, once I finish those up, I got my uh, deep stashes by division. I got to get back to. Still working on the 
and AFC West is where I'm at. So having a ton of fun. I love uh, talking Dynasty and playing Dynasty. We we uh, uh, all just completed a, a draft in the uh, Infinity Gauntlet League, which is going to be kind of crazy trying to get the Infinity Stones so we can win the Empire League there. That's going to be fantastic. Very excited about that league. We'll have to bring you back on so we can kind of discuss that uh, on a later date. Just to want to discuss a different formats and different uh, leagues people can try out, and that's definitely one of the more interesting ones. You know, especially if you don't read the rules when you start drafting, it makes it even more interesting. So we'll, uh, exactly, Matt. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely bring you on again uh, here in a couple of weeks, so we can talk about that league, how the kind of the draft went, because I do think it was a very interesting draft as well. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and have yourselves a great day and a good weekend. Right on. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. See you guys. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.